Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome, everybody. However begun, it would end badly. That's the line from our favorite children's book called Don't Call Me Little Bunny. And it was written by a French doctor, published in 1987. And predictably, it's about a little bunny, small in stature, who didn't like to be called little bunny. So he made a plan. He said to himself, something must be done. First of all, I'm small check. Second, I'm a rabbit check. To make people stop calling me little bunny, I'm going to become the most rascally rabbit anyone has ever seen. And he started by making ugly faces at the mama bunnies that would give him candy and pat him on his head. But however begun, it would end badly. So he armed himself with a pistol, bow, and arrows, a pointy dagger, and a sword. He held up a bank, but after chase, he was arrested and thrown in prison. What a great children's book, right? <laughs> We're still paying the therapy bills for our kids, but um, however begun, it would end badly. It would have been a perfect introduction to Adam's and Eve's stint in the Garden of Eden that Al just read to us about. However begun, uh, it would end badly. Placed in paradise, given everything that they could want, everything that they could need, they do the one thing that they're told not to do. They eat, quote, the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Even if they touched it, they would die, the Lord said, this fruit. You might note, parenthetically, that the scripture never identifies this fruit as an apple, despite the logo on your Mac of an apple with a bite taken out of it. It's never identified as an apple, just, just a fruit. All right, speaking of apples, let me just, forgive me for this one, but just stay with me. Why shouldn't you ever get involved in an argument between a creationist and an evolutionist? Because that's really trying to compare apples and origins. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the crafty serpent um, whom God created, right? Um, slithered its way to Eve, and he begs to differ with God's instructions. Serpent says, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of, your, eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. You will be like God. That's the key line in the serpent's lie to Adam and Eve. You will be God. Now, what does the serpent mean by that? Now, <clears throat> theologically, traditionally, you've probably heard about this story as the, as the origin of the fall. This is the fall story in the Bible, where um, this is the fall from our innocence. This is the fall, the, be the beginning, the origin of sin. This is the advent of woe and misery in the world. And all that is 100% true. I mean, you have to have your head buried deep, 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 deep into the sand to see that the world is not as it should be. I mean, I don't know about you, I was thinking about this. I mean, how is it that the war in Ukraine is in its second year? I mean, I know human nature, but still, it, 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 like, it's just unbelievable to me. But I think the description of what happened in Eden is not so much that Adam and Eve fell downwards, see, from their innocence. 
It's rather that they tried to strive upward from their creaturehood, from just being created beings. Um, they, they tried to be independent rather than the dependent creatures of God that they were created to be. They thought, you see, that they could be like God. That's what the serpent said. Well, that's what happens, even though it was a perverted and hobbled version of being like God. And what do I mean by that? And it's cued into Josh's children's sermon. We human beings began to believe, and we've, we've, it's in our DNA now, that we are the ones who are in control that we're the ones who are in control. Think about control, control. Do you have control issues? If you answered yes, you do. If you answered no, you definitely do. <laughs> Even worse than the admitted control freaks. That's the name of my first class at, right after this where I'm gonna play this out. If you want more bad news about yourself, come join me. Um, <laughs> Because that is really another, it's an updated word for sin, control is. Because control, being a control freak, I mean, do you, are you one? Do you live with one? Somebody that always thinks they're right? Somebody whose ideas are always the right ones? Do you always wish that you, things would go your way? Do you think you can plan it out and have it go your way? I mean, I can't help but bring out once again the well-worn Woody Allen quip, what's the difference between you and God? God never thinks he's you. <laughs> God's in control. Are you? Or really? Are you in control? Even though you will, this morning, most of you, some of you won't, 745 was a rough crowd, will admit that the bulk of the evidence lines up in God's favor in that department. How's it going for you giving up control over the people in your lives, over yourselves? How's that working for you? I want to talk about King Lear for a second. Um, I'm going to do this more at length and show a clip in my class. But then I'm going to talk about <clears throat> you again. So um, don't, don't zone out with Shakespeare, and I won't either because Christy tells me I have control issues, and she's wrong, of course. It's just that I like to have things go exactly my way. It's not control. <clears throat> All right, remember King Lear, back to whenever you saw it last, or back to high school. <clears throat> King Lear's classic example of however begun it would end badly. That, that's what it is. I mean, remember the story at the beginning, King Lear decides to retire from his divide and divide his kingdom and his responsibilities um, between his three daughters, two of which are terrible and the youngest of which is wonderful. Um, in his word, he says, "'Tis our fast intent that we should shake the cares and business of our age, conferring them upon younger strengths while we unburden crawl toward death." It's a great line to just bring up at a party one day. He's just trying to give up what people do. Like, okay, sounds good. Um, ceding power. Ceding control. Giving up the, you know, all that so you can enjoy the last third of life. Golfing, traveling, fishing, taking it easy. 
Does this ever work? Have you seen HBO Succession? Go see it if you want a master class in the malevolent outcroppings of control, especially as it related to children. Think about how many, quote, retired men having shaken the cares in business from their age make the boards they now sit on acrimonious or the families they live in unpleasant or even the church vestries they join needlessly tedious. <laughs> Hypothetical here, people. I've asked everyone to be on the vestries under 30, so kidding, just kidding. But just deciding to give up control, who can do that? I mean, it usually doesn't end well because this is why the need to control, once seated in one area, what does it do? It just finds footing in another, right? I mean, how does King Lear end? He banishes Cordelia, the only one who speaks the truth, and then everybody dies. Sorry for the spoiler alert, but everybody dies, and King Lear does not, however, begun to end badly. No one can give up control. What about you? Okay, so um, think about it this way. I'm, gonna, I'm messing with your, <laughs> you this morning. Um, the usual barometer for control is worry. Isn't it? Is worry. The things you're worried about, basically, that is the barometer for things that you wish to control. The extent to which you worry is the extent to which you're trying to exert control. How about your plan for the other people in your life? Are the other people close to behaving according to your scripts? Well, it's obvious stuff. You know, it's not a shocker that they're not. You can't even change yourself versus changing other people. Let's go back now. Uh, there is good news at the end of this sermon. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. This is, this is interesting. I never thought about this before until I was working on the sermon. Think about this. Even God didn't micromanage the paradise, his own paradise. It's crazy. The one who can exert control didn't exert it. He, he created a serpent, didn't squash it under his feet for the serpent to tempt Eve. He didn't protect his children from the serpent's disastrous lies. He didn't put a force field around the, the tree with the fruit. He just let it be. What would that be like in your life if you did that? Think about the parable that Jesus tells of the wheat and the tares. The farmer um, sows his field with wheat, and then an enemy comes in at night and sows tares or weeds. The farmer didn't have a security system in place. The field was just open, vulnerable. When the trespass is discovered, the workers of the farmer say, great, we got this, we got this, we can control this. We'll just root out the tares, the weeds, um, and we'll get rid of them. We got this. And he says, nope, don't do that. Don't do that. If you do that, you are going to mess with the good wheat, good with the, with the wheat. You might damage the wheat while you're trying to get out. And plus, you don't can't even see the difference between the two of them. Just let it be. And then he says, "Leave it to God." That's how the parable ends. Just leave it all to God. God, who has control, 
and sees all things and knows all people and all of their intentions and sees it all the way through, and you too, he will sort it out. Lay down your arms. And God's way of sorting out the sin of Adam and Eve was a very strange one, people. What did he do? He sent his son into the world, but not in retribution, not in armor and might, but in fragile flesh, not in power, but in vulnerability. Think about what a baby is, the epitome of the lack of of control, not to root out all the sin in the world, but to grow up and take all of that sin onto himself. However begun in Bethlehem, it would end badly for him in Golgotha. Jesus is the one person who did cede control, cede his power and control by going to the cross for the world full of control freaks, i.e. you and me. But however begun it would end badly, it's not really the end of Jesus' story, is it? Nor Adam and Eve's story. And here I'm telling you this morning, my friends, not your story either even though you are trying to exert control in all areas of your life. Because Jesus' life did end in the most horrific way, but God raised him from the dead. It's the core of our belief about how we understand what happens in our lives right now. However you begun, your control issues however they've messed you up or the people around you, it will not end badly. I can say because of Jesus' cross and resurrection with 100% assurance that through him, however it has begun for you, it will end beautifully. Amen. Yeah.